Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Armenia by the Glass podcast. I'm Elaine Kasabian and this episode will be the first part of the series from the vineyard. I will be speaking to Garen Saharakian, the owner of Stork Wines. Garen will be telling us about his winemaking journey straight from his vineyards. Garen was born in Armenia and studied biology at university. In the early 90s, he travelled to the US after gaining a scholarship to study business administration. In 2004, he was offered a life-changing opportunity to work in London and travelled extensively. It's through his travels he began to learn about wines and over time realised that his next step was to take a road into the world of wines. Armenia was his first choice for starting his journey and you'll hear why when you listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Can't wait to hear from Garen about his journey in the next few months. So welcome, Garen. I'm so pleased to talk to you today. I've been looking forward to catching up. As the last time we spoke was back in March this year, when you were about to travel from London to Armenia. That's right. Um, yes, mid-March. Yeah, but be- exactly. It was mid-March. And, uh, but before we talk about your vineyard and your winemaking journey... It'd be great if you could tell the listeners a bit about yourself and um, how you came into the wine, wine, the world of wine. Sure. Um, so I'm born and bred in Armenia. Um, sort of grew up in Soviet Armenia, went to university when it was still Soviet Armenia. And a few years later, graduated from university with a bachelor's degree in biology, but it was already independent Armenia, Republic of Armenia. And it was going through quite a turbulent period in its history in sort of early 90s. Um, fortunately for me, there was a chance um, to continue my education. So I um, got a scholarship and went to the U.S. for two years to study business administration. Um, came back um, and then worked for five or six years in consumer good sector. I was um, head of one of the rep offices of a major multinational here in Yerevan. And then um, in sort of 2002, a really life-changing opportunity came about to move to the UK for work. Um, And I took it and um, sort of having spent now 18 years living in the UK, becoming a British citizen eventually. And um, the most important uh, sort of aspect of my life um, in the UK was travel, uh, extensive travel, really, uh, whether mostly through business, but also uh, uh, tourism. And um, I was fortunate enough, privileged enough to have visited almost 80 countries. I once counted, yes. Um, and and um, many of them were really were wine countries, so Mediterranean Europe, uh, and then Chile, Argentina, South Africa. And I think when I started sort of visiting those countries, I really developed the taste and interest in wine. Uh, right. Because I, right. So it's through travel. Yes. Yes. It's mainly so. It's 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 really tied to um, the. So the places I went to um, and discovering those uh, countries and uh, seeing how wine is um, 
sort of inextricably linked with the culture, with the lifestyle, with the civilization in these uh, countries, how important uh, wine industry is. And um, eventually sort of um, became passionate about um, wine. It became my first sort of uh, beverage of um, uh, choice. Um, as well, And then sort of the next, I guess, logical step was to um, to see if I, you know, if I could um, be in business of wine, so to speak. So a bit like me, it wasn't really part of your growing up or, you know, for me, like family gatherings, wine was never a big feature. It was actually the grandparents really drinking a bit of spirit and that was it. Yes, um, I think equally uh, here in Armenia, we often speak about sort of drinking culture that is um, sophisticated um, in a sense that um, alcohol is consumed around tables for whatever occasions there are weddings or you know whether it's morning or birthdays or um, yeah. but it's always around the table with food so nobody's sort of getting hammered so to speak Just, yeah, um, no, exactly. um, so um, that said as uh, growing up you know I wasn't really um, exposed to any quality wines because back in those days there wasn't and there weren't any decent quality wines around. So, yes, it was mostly spirits and some sort of poor or average quality wines. Yes. So do you recall when during your travels, was, was there a particular place where you sort of were enlivened by the wine? Was it sort of Argentina or South Africa or...? Uh, those places came a bit uh, later, but we sort of started traveling in uh, to France, and I think that's when really sort of the interest started to develop, um, and then um, Italy as well. Um, so when you go to um, Tuscany, for example, and then you end up in uh, Montal in uh, Montalcino and drink Brunello, and it, this sort of um, experience in your memory <laughs> yes yeah. um, and equally in france you know traveling to provence and trying their beautiful sort of roses or reds or you name it and um and uh, with bouillabaisse some whites so it's sure. just things that pop up in memory as i speak now so it's it's always you know so it's always with food it's always in a context you know with in culture, when you're, you're surrounded by people uh, in these restaurants or taverns that are who are enjoying themselves um, and, and uh, enjoying their wine and their food, and they look they look happy and relaxed, um, and those things just get to you, and eventually, you know, it it becomes uh, your lifestyle um, as well. You know, um, not just sort of you like wine, but it sort of becomes part of lifestyle and um, diet, if you will, as well. Yeah. So when you decided, well, when you were thinking or decided to go into wine, was Armenia your first choice of the place where it was actually, you know, where, where the journey was going to begin? I, I think it pretty quickly became the first choice for a number of reasons because, um, as a businessman, sort of, um, I um, approached 
um, this task. You know, when, where do I want to do, start doing this? Um, and the barriers of entry in Armenia are still uh, in, in wine industry are, are relatively low. You know, the sort of the, you can buy a vineyard much cheaper than it would have cost you somewhere in Europe. Um, and also, this is, after all, still my historical sort of home where you know, I speak the language, I understand uh, um, sort of uh, how to deal with uh, local um, issues. So I'm sort of in my elements, in, in a sense. Yeah, that's a natural pull, um, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So then it, it just became that way. It kind of developed into a preferred um, option. And um, um, also... What um, Armenia offers is the opportunity to work with really unique local uh, grape varieties and terroirs um, and experiment um, and bring Armenian wines uh, to, to the world, if you will. Uh, it's cradle of winemaking, after all, um, um, but it's not very well known in modern world in, in sort of among the wine enthusiasts sort of the world over it's just finding its way um and uh, to, to be part of that would be very exciting yes i agree completely i think there seems to be a, a sort of a, a a revolution taking place uh with winemaking in armenia so i hope it's, it really does take off and uh, people really get to know about it so yes, it, it's a it's a great it's a great time to be here. As like I said, whilst there are some a number of really large sort of market uh, leaders, if you will, large yeah. companies, large large wineries, corporate, um, but it's almost like em what's emerging is this sort of cottage industry, if you will, of small to medium sized winemakers who um, sort of bounce ideas off each other. They uh, often uh, meet. Um, yeah, and um, they try to sort of make their mark, if you will. They try to bring their uh, products to the market. It's an exciting time. Uh, I guess not yeah. only do you get good wine, you also it's also fundamental for the local economies there. Yes, absolutely. It's um, yeah, as an export, it has an export potential for sure. But um, we need to. Um, be able to export much more than we are doing now. That it's a it's a separate issue. Um, but yeah. yes, it it employs a lot of people. You know, it's um, it's an um, another sort of source of revenue for wine growers because before exactly. it was mainly sort of for distilleries, for cognac, for brandy, for vodkas. But wine is becoming much more uh, important than it used to, and it's a good uh, trend. And for the local people, to pick picking yes. the grapes and crushing them etc so yes yeah. yeah it's employment and not not just that tending to the to the vineyard so yes. there are more vineyards being planted so there's more uh, jobs in that sense yes yeah. so the wine economy the, the sort of wine clusters are are developing and it's um source of employment but also um source of expertise if you will so you know you have schools now you have um, young people interested in, in obtaining um, degrees in sort of winemaking, viticulture. That's great. Uh, that's great, yeah. So when you were looking for your vineyard, did you have a particular area in mind? Um, again, sort of, um, I approached it with my sort of business hat on. 
Yes. And I came up with a number of, uh, a list of criteria, sort of a checklist. Um, and I started going through it and the proximity to the capital, Yerevan, where I'm currently based, um, was one of a, a deciding factor, if you will. So that ruled out a number of really good winemaking, wine growing regions like uh, Vyazdor, which is in the south, and Pavush, which is uh, northeast. Um, they are quite distant, sort of uh, over 200 kilometers from the capital and sort of would create uh, corresponding challenges. So that kind of narrowed it down to three um, wine growing regions, which are Ararat, Armavir, and Aragatsotan. Um, they are much closer to the capital. Um, and they're all in the, the valley of Mount Ararat. Um, so the, and then sort of um, secondly, I was looking at a vineyard of a manageable size so that I don't I, I can get my head around it. I can learn yeah so I don't sort of um, screw up <laughs> by yes. taking hectares <laughs> of vineyards and then just yes, um, destroying them. Um, and so um, and you look at the availability, what's available sort of for sale, and it eventually it all sort of narrowed it down to this um, village called Taperakan, which is in uh, Ararat province, about half an hour drive from Yerevan. It was a small vineyard of less than a hectare, and it's uh, Kangun grapes, which is white grape variety. Um, it's historically a technical grape, what is what they call it here, because it's used... Uh, it's been used in the Soviet times in particular um, for uh, sort of distilling and, uh, you know, making spirits for um, uh, cognacs. Um, but now, increasingly, the local winemakers are, are using this grape um, to produce wines, even in blend. They try to blend it with other white, local white varieties, even international white varieties. So... Um, They've already proven that Kangun can be, if you know what you're doing, can be used to produce decent quality white wines. And um, so that kind of uh, works well for me, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. And did, were those vines, were they already there on your vineyard or did you have to? Yes. Yeah, it was, a, it was an existing vineyard because, uh, you know, um, sort of, I ruled out instantly sort of buying land and planting vineyards because that's, you're looking at three to five years. Yes. <laughs> of, and also uh, there's some planting. wonderful old wine, vines, aren't they? There are. Um, I don't know how but the one, productive uh, they are. Yes. Um, it, it depends on really who uh, looked after the vineyards. You, you have to assess, you know, on, on it, it depends. It's, it's really case by case. And uh, certainly I... I would. I plan at some point to be planting my own vineyards, as and when, and wherever it, it uh, we end up doing that. But at the moment, it's um, it's still improving the quality of this vineyard. And um, going back to your question, it's. I think it was planted in, in about thirty years ago. Still oh, okay. in times, yes. And and of course they've replanted some of them. So um, we're talking about average sort of age of the vines. Um, and in terms of the state that I found it in, um, obviously this um, vineyard was managed to, to, to maximize yield. So they used 
obviously fertilizer they didn't prune do things like watering the vineyard right before the harvest so the way weight goes up and you know um so obviously that's not what we are trying to achieve here and since taking over we embarked on this program of improving the uh, uh, the quality of the vineyard so what do you call wine vineyard management where you know we try to prune it in a certain way uh, and reduce the yield um, and improve improve the soil um, and the the important aspect here is that the vineyards our vineyard you have to bury the vines for winter that adds complexity adds a challenge because it's expensive but also you know you can't train uh, your vines on trellises because every um, November you have to bury it underground <laughs> and then in sort of February you uncover it and you have to train and, and sort of um, prune and then train uh, the vines all over again. So what are the temperatures during the winter times? Uh, they, they can be, winters can be quite harsh. They can go as much as minus 30 centigrade and even sometimes, well, um, people have told me here that even burying them wouldn't help, you know, during some particularly harsh winters, they would still, uh, you know, lose some of the vines. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, just does the bear, you know, burying them actually help? Yeah. So every four to five years, there, there tend to be a really harsh winter where, yeah, sort of things don't help, even if you do them sort of properly, it's just... Um, and with the climate change now, I think it's becoming a bit more um, unpredictable and sort of drastic changes in temperatures and unstable weather uh, that can all contribute to sort of the already existing challenges, if you will. So quite difficult conditions, really, because you've got these really, you know, harsh winters and the summers are they're very hot there. Yes. Yeah. Particularly in that region where our vineyard is you can get to sort of lower to mid 40s even depending on uh, in centigrade so plus 40 and upwards um so yeah it's um the amplitude is 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 quite uh, wide yeah so um where are you at in 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 your winemaking journey um so basically what happened last year um it was challenging for everyone i suppose um so when we took over, it was like first full year when, you know, I'm I'm in charge of the vineyard and it had to be uncovered, and then the sort of the cycle starts. But then because of this the COVID situation, where the shortage of labor, uh, it's already a shortage of labor even without COVID because it's agricultural uh, area, and you have um, horticulture. Um, you have sort of um, greenhouses in that area and it's all labor intensive. So um, literally just workforce is really difficult to come by, especially for newcomers. When you start looking, you don't, you haven't made the connections yet and it's a steep learning curve. So we ended up spending a lot of time in the vineyards doing it ourselves. So, and DIY, usually, you know, it's not a very good idea. So we weren't doing a particularly good job, um, <laughs> but we've learned a lot and people would help us. Our neighbors would help us occasionally, which was very kind. 
uh, my friends would come and help me with, you know, tying the vines and pruning and uh, other things um, and, and, and harvesting, obviously. But this, um, <clears throat> this year we've taken a different approach. But luckily we've um, found, uh, we decided to outsource, well, if we use the, the term, um, so it's our neighbors um, who, will, who are tending to the, the vineyard, but we're sort of focusing on quality control. We um, found a consultant who would help us improve the quality of the vineyard overall. Um, so I think it's a better um, use of our time and the result hopefully will follow. And uh, when do you think you'll bottle? So last year's vintage, um, it was again, like I said, very, very challenging. You know, the war has broken out when, um, uh, when the har- right in the middle of the harvest season, um, and I was away um, yeah. for a few weeks. So I, I um, my friends really helped me with harvesting. Um, <clears throat> and taking it to the to our friends uh, we collaborated with a company called wineworks um, and we produce our 2020 vintage uh, with them and we're about to bottle it hopefully next week um fingers crossed um so everything is in place now the wine is in good shape we tried it a few times liked it yes um but it was also getting all the other things all our ducks in a row, if you will. Um, now we're finally um, almost there. And um, in parallel, we are um, putting together our own winery in a, uh, in a village near Ashtarak, which is Aragatsotan province, uh, where I'll be based. Actually, I'll be living on site. <laughs> it's my house and its winery all sort of rolled into one. Um, and we're in the middle of um, sort of procuring all the equipment. Some of it is already on site. Our, we, we're um, really fortunate to um, start cooperating with um, some of the sort of aid agencies and, and um, technical assistance uh, agencies, international ones who, who provided us with uh, some equipment. Um, the rest were... Um, procuring on our own and if all goes well um, we'll have everything in place at our winery sometime in September and we'll be ready to press 2021 vintage in-house and that's where we are at the moment. I mean it's incredible what you've really achieved in quite a short space of time and at a time when there's so much going on I mean it's not just Covid but there's also the war Um, I mean I remember speaking to you about this Wait a minute. Was it last year? Last? Uh, well, no, just before. Just before. Yes. Lockdown. So that's March last year. I mean, it's incredible what you've done in that space of time. Yeah, it's uh, now looking back, it's it all sound, seems very implausible. But yeah, um, despite all these challenges, um, I mean, I, I guess. We would have achieved much more, but you know we've we've done quite well sort of under circumstances and in business um, you just have to look forward um, all the time um, because challenges more challenges are on the, on their way and so you just have to be prepared. Yes, and do you think um, the infrastructures are improving in Armenia for these small producers? to 
you know, really get their wines out there. Because in, in the UK, you can buy some Armenian wines and they're online and they're from the major producers. But it's quite yeah. difficult to get the smaller ones. And do you think that will improve? I think the situation is improving slowly but steadily. There are some collaborative efforts to set up logistical uh, hubs somewhere in Europe, like in Belgium, for example, so that many producers can sort of chip in, if you will, and have a warehouse so that um, e-commerce, for example, can de um, develop. So you can't, if you have, uh, you're a small producer and you someone calls you from France and they tell you that they want a couple of cases of your wine, it's pretty useless. But uh, if you can tell them, well, we can ship it to you from Belgium, from our from the warehouse, and it will be with you in two days, that's a game changer. Absolutely. So I think efforts are underway in that sense, um, and that would hopefully make European markets more accessible to the smaller producers. Yes. Um, and like I said before, there is a lot of cooperation between the small producers, and um, hopefully that will sort of, um, if we all sort of pull together, uh, the, the results will, will follow for sure. In terms of infrastructure, yeah, there is an industry bodies here developing. There is a, there are schools um, where you can have hands-on sort of experience, um, like with a winery and everything. So you can get a proper sort of um, you can be educated properly in sort of all things wine, winemaking, viticulture, and that's um, in the long run that's what will make a real difference. And hopefully, Armenia will become. A, a wine tourist destination it, it is becoming it's shaping is, yeah. up it is shaping up um and um in fact i had a project um even uh last year of 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 the um, sort of hospitality related in the village of areni which is in Vyotzor, yes. but uh, it had to be put on hold because of the covid and sort of the collapse of tourism um, yeah but sort of watch this space, we'll see how um, things develop. Um, it's livening up now, but, you know, with, with this pandemic, you never know what's around the corner. The corner. There is this uncertainty still hanging there. Um, but for sure, your wine um, tourism has a great potential here because um, there is a lot to see here historically as well. Um, in, in terms of wine history, you know, uh, I don't know if, if um, you get a chance to visit a cave where the first ever uh, winery was discovered that is 6,000 years old. That kind of um, tells you that. <laughs> there, there I have. Is. I've visited yeah. it. It's incredible. Yes. It, um, it, 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 I think it if, you go, if you do go to Armenia to, to learn about the wine, that is, I think, stop mum the one, isn't it? Really? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's a must-see must for sure. But also some of the leading wineries have very good facilities. They give you a nice tour and wine, wine tasting. It's a great experience. It's becoming more and more professional. So, if, of course, uh, there is a potential for wine tourism. Definitely. Yeah, that's great. Fingers crossed it works out. Well, Galen, thank you so much for speaking to me today. It's such a pleasure. My pleasure too, as well. And I okay. hope you come back and tell us more what's going on and give us an update yes yeah let's let's keep in touch and yeah hopefully 
um, in a couple of months' time, we'll have some progress on all fronts, and uh, I'll be happy to share with you. Great. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode. But in the meantime, check out my blog, armeniabytheglass.com, for articles, interviews and tasting reviews of Armenian wines.